to the NXT Podcast, your home for weekly NXT reviews and insight. The beautiful part of NXT is that when one dream ends, another dream begins. Find all of your NXT news, recaps, and analysis right here. So with that being said, we only have one question for you. Are you We thought so. Let's get the show started right now. Oh, man. Oh, man. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the NXT podcast. I am your host as always. My name is Zachary Smith. Very excited to be here with you today. Again, I apologize about the late uh, episode. The uh, job that I do in the pandemic we are in is uh, quite a lot, so I'm just glad that I'm getting to record it for you here now. Now, you can always find me on Twitter. I'm at ZachNXT. You can follow me, or you could ignore that. That's fine, too. It's really just me liking a bunch of stuff I think is funny. So, if you have the same sense of humor as me, or want to find out, that'd be a good way to do it. Now, listen. We're heading towards NXT spring breaking. And I don't, you know, I don't know. I didn't come up with the name. I'm just, you know, I'm learning about it around the same time you guys do. We're all in it together. So we're building up towards that. Now, before we get started, we usually talk about the stuff that's going on in WWE. AEW is uh, beneath me. I leave that to Mimi Burris. You know? A, you need a... You need a four, five out of ten host for a five out of ten show. You need a ten out of ten host for a ten out of ten show, like NXT 2.0. I feel like I have to say that with sarcasm, just in case you didn't catch it with sarcasm. Not the Mimi part, the five out of ten part was absolutely correct. Now, WWE, every once in a while, will send out these surveys. <clears throat> they usually say, like, to select members of the WWE universe and... That used to be, like, select network subscribers, I think. Uh, I don't remember anymore. I've never gotten one. I always wanted one. But they sent one out, and and this is the same kind of survey that often lets us know, like, things that they are either about to do or are bringing, or are thinking about doing, rather, and bringing attention to. Uh, I want to say stuff besides WWE programming being on the network. Before that happened, it was in a survey. Um, Different tiers of membership for the network when there still was one. There's been a few things on there. And earlier this weekend, there's a report that there was a survey sent out with a few, excuse me, with a few questions. Like, how many times a month the recipient watches Raw, SmackDown, and in XT and how often do they uh, excuse me do they attend nailed it live events and watch premium events so I guess they're premium events now and live events are house shows um, first two not you know nothing you know super big there like I feel like the people who who watch probably most watch Smackdown because it's got Roman and Raw no longer has a world championship um, that they still don't know what to do with, which is awesome. Um, SmackDown has, has Roman, so people will watch that. I feel like I remember from hosting this show 
when it was just NXT. And I remember the problem then being that what WWE calls casual or main roster fans would not have heard of these NXT people because um, the same people that watch Raw and SmackDown don't watch NXT. And I get that. It was a reality show, basically. At one point, it was Survivor Light. So I get that. I would say that, like, it being a developmental territory, you would just build up their skills, and then if they get introduced to a new audience, that's fine. I personally have only ever been to one live event. My wife was nice enough years ago to take me to an old NXT show, saw Aleister Black before he was Aleister Black, so that was very cool. I, I forget if he was still Tommy End. I know he didn't have the music and the whole thing yet. Very cool. His tattoos were great. Seems like a nice guy. Now, next question was, are fans are fans interested in the NFTs? And boy, as somebody who thinks those are stupid and doesn't trust WWE to do them well. Like I could almost see I could almost see the advantage of having like a collectible version of a great moment, but like also I have Peacock as much as I don't want it. I have it and so I can watch anything that you've you've done or I can find it. Um I just feel like WWE and NFT is not gonna be I don't know what's going to go wrong with it, but something, definitely. This one, this one got me. Are fans interested in a wrestler ranking system? Are, <laughs> are they interested in a ranking system? Well, no, for two reasons. One, it depends on what kind of fans you are. A fan. I don't know why I put a D on the end of fan, but it depends on what kind of fan you are. If you're a relatively new fan who has never seen a ranking system in anything but AEW before, no problem. Not, it's, you know, not going to be mad at you because you're a new fan. Hey, welcome. I'm glad you're here. I hope you like wrestling too. But if you're a new fan, Presumably, at some point, you've seen AEW. And AEW seems to skew younger, so it makes me think that the younger fans are watching AEW while the older fans are watching WWE. Not always. There are always going to be exceptions, but you get my point. So, if you are a new fan, and let's say you primarily watch AEW, or you primarily watch WWE, if in one month... WWE all of a sudden has a ranking system that presumably then would be based on the wins and losses of the company. First, it goes against the creed that every old white dude that's ever worked there has had, which is wins and losses don't matter even though they do. So you have to change your whole philosophy, and now we have a ranking system based on wins and losses, which is exactly what AEW does, it's exactly what AEW is going to do, and it's exactly what AEW said it was going to do before it even had its first show. Tony Khan was very clear. Wins and losses will matter. In order to get a championship match, you have to be the number one ranked contender. And with very few exceptions, they have stuck to that formula, and it's worked really, really well. Now, if you're an older fan, then you're probably a WWE fan. But if you're both, I hope you like a little bit of everything, or I hope you just like what you like. It doesn't matter what you like, but 
you are used to WWE being a certain way. And also, if you are an older fan, you remember that they tried this before. They tried it before. They've tried it before. It was... I'm going to say... 2016, 2017, maybe? Somewhere around there? Because I remember on SmackDown, one of the the issues between Randy Orton and Jinder Mahal was that one of them was ranked higher than the other. So for a while, for like a month maybe, they had a ranking system. Now, they seem to have no interest in keeping it updated or booking for it because WWE books for, they say stories, but WWE really books for moments. That's what they're interested in is moments. And that's a, it's a fine business model. That's what WrestleMania is based off of. That's, that's why Pat McAfee fights Austin Theory and then Vince comes into the ring because Vince taking that coat off, even though he's 76 and it was the worst match I've ever seen, is a moment, is cool. And by the way, just shout out to Pat McAfee because I don't know if you know, when he wrestled Austin Theory, like, yeah, there's however many thousands of fans in the arena. He's used to having to perform in situations like that and was looking forward to it. Dude, you got the owner of the whole company. If he doesn't like you after tonight, you're just done. You got to perform in front of that guy. So, WWE has tried this ranking before. It didn't work. Fans didn't take to it because for years and years and years and years and years, since before Vince... Junior bought it from Vince Sr. They have not had a ranking system. They are very much, especially now, like, Champion is out there talking. Whoever's music hits next is probably going to be their next challenger. So, I would I would think that you wouldn't want to do that. Because I think it's too late to do that. I think if you're going to have a ranking system... You have to condition your fans to it. That's why when Tony Khan was taught, and everybody really was talking about AEW, they all made sure to bring up hey, this is going to be played like a sport or treated like a sport. This is going to be based on wins and losses. This is going to be a big deal if you win a match or lose a match. And so because of that, because they did that work on the front end, the fans were expecting it. If WWE next week all of a sudden says, all right, it's the SmackDown ranking system, which would almost make sense because then if Roman's going to be double champ, you could have one for Raw, one for SmackDown. Use the four weeks leading to a pay-per-view to decide who the number one contender will be. Maybe Raw's number one contender and SmackDown's number one contender get to fight each other for the right to face Roman. Or maybe since they don't know what they're doing, Roman just loses one of those titles and we go back to normal. But no, dude, you can't do a ranking system. You guys aren't going to do a good job at a ranking system. I just saw you not do a good job at a ranking system. And I get it. They're always catering towards new fans, trying new things. I like it. I really do. If next week a ranking system starts, I'm not going to be angry. I'm going to be, I wouldn't say optimistic. I'd say hopeful, maybe, certainly. But boy, oh boy, NFTs and ranking systems. 
Are fans interested in the, quote, real behind-the-scenes workings at WWE? Okay. So, by the way, the Power Rankings ended in 2017 in November. So, boom. Oh, I'm reading here. The main difference between AEW's ranking system and WWE's was that wins, losses, and draws were not the sole focus of rankings in WWE. More, oh, God. It was more centered on who made a bigger impact on WWE television the week of, whether that be in promo match or backstage segment. Oh, my God. So so it's not so much a ranking system based on the kayfabe, like, wrestler fighting record. It's it's worse. It's a ranking system based on popularity or, like, how well you are doing. But here's the thing. WWE... If they're going to do, um, let's say it's Roman and Drew McIntyre. And then let's say, let's say Cesaro was still in the company and was doing really, really well. He's knocking promos out of the park, knocking matches out of the park, knocking backstage segments out of the park. Fans are going ridiculously uh, hype for him and cheering for him, and for some reason the fans aren't into Drew McIntyre. Do you do you honestly think that they would put Cesaro ahead of Drew McIntyre in their rankings, or are they just going to do what they want to do? What I'm saying is giving, telling me that there's a ranking on your show in the universe kayfabe of your show based on popularity. At some point, you are going to ignore it, and it's going to look fake, and it's not going to work. God, I'm glad I kept reading. That was way worse. Oh, yeah, Dax Harwood addresses rumors of WWE's interest in FTR. Now, hear me out. Hear me out. Always thought FTR was boring. Okay? I understand. I, I Listen, I understand. They're fantastic wrestlers. Every time they are wrestling, I have a great time. When they're doing anything else, I, I don't. But there was some rumor about FTR... Um, ditching their uh, Tully Blanchard manager and um, being managed maybe by Bret Hart, which would have been pretty cool for Bret, I think. But WWE made a pretty smart business decision and said, no, stupid, if you didn't lock Bret Hart up already, we're not going to help you, and re-signed Bret Hart. A lot of people were mad about that. I don't know why you would be. WWE is not like an evil empire. They're just a business with really questionable morals. Um... And so, yeah, I think if I owned WWE and they were trying to sign Bret Hart, if it was for the Owen um, thing, then I, I would let them. But from a business perspective, I could see why you wouldn't want to let one of the greatest legends in the history and greatest worker in the history of your company, don't at me. You're not just going to take that guy and use him on your TV. So I get it. It's fine. There was some rumors that um, when FTR's contract come up, which is, I believe, over a year from now, that WWE has a lot of interest in them. We've also heard that about Wardlow and Jade Cargill. So, if Jade Cargill had gone to WWE, I don't think it would have worked out because when she got here, she was new. She was she was pushed and protected, and then she met Brian Danielson backstage. Brian Danielson, I guess, took a liking to her as a wrestler. And started teaching her, and you can see her getting better and better. That doesn't happen a lot in WWE, despite the multitude of resources that they have available that that, uh, that they never implement. So, 
Jade, I'm ne- and listen, I'm going to be very clear that like I don't know any of these people. I'm never going to meet any of these people. I don't know what they think. I'm not like reporting anything. Just thinking about it. If you're Jade Cargill, you have the TBS title, you weren't pushed too fast. You're doing really good. You're getting really great reactions. You're fighting Marina Shafir right now. You're running kind of the women's division a little bit now. I don't know why you'd go to WWE, man. Like, maybe you want bigger... Maybe, let's say Jade Cargill has like another year on her deal. And after that year, she feels like she's gotten everything she can get from Brian Danielson. And she's at a point where she can go off on her own. If she goes to WWE, yeah... She she would be utilized well, I would think. So maybe of these three, Jade Cargo would be the most likely to go. However, I would argue that as AEW is the one that brought her in, pushed her, Brian Danielson helped her improve in the ring. I just don't... I think she's having a lot of fun in AEW, and I just don't think she's going to want to change that. Wardlow, there's no... Ooh, almost Swaramone show. There's no friggin' way, dude. Wardlow got to sit behind MJF and sit around Chris Jericho and some of the best talkers and charisma men in the world. And then he broke off, got one of the biggest reactions I've heard on AEW for one person when he left the um, the ring in the ring. Oh, wow. Those are both same word, two meanings. Weird. He left the... F- finger ring on the blood sweat and tear squared circle ring he's gonna be a super star here in AEW and they're bringing him along slowly I think he'll beat MJF whenever he gets his hands on him and he's gonna be a world champion someday um if he goes to WWE I mean he's got the right physique for it I don't know if he's ready promo wise for WWE I think AEW is doing a really good job of showcasing what he's good at right now while he works on the promo stuff. His promo is not bad at all. It's good. Just, I mean, like a 20-minute opening Raw segment promo. That's like a hard thing to do. Like, one of the most impressive things is that Cody Rhodes was able to just go do it again. Like, that is not an easy thing to do. It's not easy even to do this in my living room and come up with things to talk about. Because if I write if I write notes, I uh, I feel like I'm not entertaining so I have to just do it and even that's difficult now imagine cutting a promo to like thousands and thousands of fans right well he's gonna get there and I think it's gonna be with AEW I cannot I mean I can imagine anything but I'll be real surprised if Wardlow ends up in WWE last one's FTR there's no way they've already forgotten like the Usos um what did they do? They put like itching powder in their trunks or something. They were humiliated and then humiliated on the way out. And then they were taken seriously as a tag team again in AEW and they get the chance to work in different indies. And there's no way on God's green earth that they're going to go back to the itching powder headquarters. There's no way you can't do it. And also I would like to point out some people were uh, really upset that Cody was coming over to WWE some people were really upset when, I don't know, whoever went to AEW. I think this is awesome. One of the most important moments in the history of wrestling. This segment gets talked about, but not the specific part that I'm thinking of. The most important moment, maybe in the history of wrestling, is May of 96. 
is it May 27th of 96? Where Scott Hall, before the NWO, before the Outsider, Scott Hall jumps the barricade in a Canadian tuxedo, just denim head to toe, styling on him. Gets in that ring, and he says, you know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. When Scott Hall said that, like I, w- I mean, I was, I was not old enough to be watching wrestling yet. I was uh, five. But going back and watching it with what I know now, if Scott Hall goes to that ring, trips, fumbles, or trips and fumbles over his words and, and doesn't do a good job of selling that, then the NWO doesn't look as cool. If the NWO isn't cool, it doesn't make it a cool thing to watch for to see who would end up on WWE, who would end up on WCW. If we didn't have that, we wouldn't have the Bullet Club. We wouldn't have... Because of that, we probably wouldn't have AJ Styles in uh, or Finn Balor in WWE. We wouldn't have the two sweet signs still. We wouldn't have like a lot of things. So first, rest in peace and rest in love and thank you, sincerely thank you, Scott Hall, for May of 1996 and making wrestling such a better place. My point with this story is, I think some people are missing the point with people jumping. This is not a bad thing. If your favorite, my favorite wrestler... Is Kevin Owens. I was so pr- I am gonna overshare. I cried a little bit when he main evented a goddamn WrestleMania. I don't care that it's night one. I don't care. Whatever. When he main evented with Stone Cold Steve Austin, got him out of retirement, out talked him, and then fought him. And then they had a good match because of Kevin Owens. I cried. I say that to tell you that I'm super sensitive and I'm pretty awesome and in touch with myself. But also, if Kevin Owens, he won't. He signed a new deal here. But if he goes now when his deal is up to AEW, I am not going to be upset. I will be upset because Mimi will call me and I will answer and it will just be her cackling with laughter because she knows he's my favorite and also she's a bad person um if he goes to AEW, i won't be upset i will be happy for him that he gets a new opportunity and i will be excited for me because i get to watch kevin steen or kevin owens or whoever wrestle different people in a different environment and i get to see kevin owens cut a promo that's not scripted Like, that's fantastic. If you're an AEW fan, I get it, man. Cody helped start this whole thing. He told you, I am here. All these other guys can go back, but I cannot go back. I smashed a Triple H throne with a sledgehammer. I am the one. I'm one of the founding members. I can't go back. And then radio silence. And then radio silence. And then radio silence. And then WrestleMania. Boom, adrenaline in my soul. By the way, that's a... What are y'all doing with that song? That's a, that's a whack song. Why you? Do y'all like that song? Or do, is it funny typing adrenaline in my soul? 
Is that it? Because that's a whack song. Anyway, when I saw Cody, I was very excited. Now, is Cody the level of wrestler that you need to debut at WrestleMania? Nah. Nah, he's not. Is there... Is there anything special about Cody? There is his promo. He has a very good promo. And if he gets to talk about his dad and legacy, like he did when he said he was going after the championship so that he could spiritually tell his father, I want it for you, dad. But other than that, like I wouldn't think of Cody Rhodes as a Roman Reigns opponent in any version of Cody Rhodes. From Cody Rhodes to Cody to Stardust to Cody Rhodes again. But now that he's been away for six years on the indies having really good matches. And he's been in AEW. He founded a company that basically killed NXT as we know it. And now he's back. And the good thing about that is that if you go somewhere and get over and come in. Then they'll think you're a star. Like John Morrison leaves WWE, goes to, like, Lucha Underground, has a really fantastic run there. I think he did some stuff with Impact, don't remember. But they didn't have a big competitor for him to go to. So he comes back to WWE, he's the same as he ever was, then he gets released. AJ Styles comes from New Japan, wins wins a bunch of titles over there, is in Bullet Club, all this stuff. They bring him in, boom, Royal Rumble. Every single person in that building knows who that is. You do not need to send him to NXT. You don't need to change his name. Give him a theme. Put his name up on that Titantron. Everybody knew who it was. So, Cody comes back at WrestleMania. That indicates to me that it's a big deal. There was enough of a doubt that they weren't going to do this, that I wasn't sure 100% if it was Cody Rhodes. So, Cody Rhodes comes out. He's lifted from under the ground right up to that sign that tried to take a chunk of AJ Styles' forehead off. And he manages to swiftly avoid that. Fans loved him, dude. And now he's going to fight The Miz. The Miz is criminally underrated. We'll, we'll cover that on a different podcast. And he's going to face Rollins one more time. And he wants to go after Roman. My point is, if, if, I was a, if you're a big AEW person and you are mad at Cody Rhodes for going back to WWE. Just understand, AEW is going to be fine. If he had left like a month after or something, or like a year after when they still weren't on as solid footing, yeah, jerk move. I get it. But now AEW is established. AEW isn't going anywhere. And some AEW and WWE are very different. And whatever the reasons he decided, he decided he wanted to be in the WWE environment more than the AEW environment. And because I think the AEW environment is going to hold more of the creatives that can't be tied up to do their creativity, I think Cody might just be like a little bit Steve Rogers. Like, I'm an in-shape white dude. Um, I'm in shape, but I'm like out of touch on stuff. And I'm just really trying to do the right thing. And sometimes me saying I want to do the right thing over and over gets on people's nerves. But but boy, I'm not a good guy or a bad guy. I just want to do the right thing. So now he's here and he's a star. And you get to watch him on WWE. You get to watch WWE clips of him on it. And either he's having a great time or he's losing and you can laugh, I guess. But that's the thing. Is that now if one company is not giving you a shot for whatever the reason, 
you can go to a different one. That was the greatest thing about the Monday Night Wars. Like, yes, Rock, Austin, Taker, uh, NWO, um, Chris Jericho, good God, Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio and Juventud and Homicide, all, the, all these people. Both going on at the same time. And in the early days, oh man, there's Scott Hall. Oh man, he brought Kevin Nash. The third man is Hulk Hogan. That's ravishing Rick Rude is like the only person to show up on both shows in the same week. Like that was one of the most fun things about the uh, the war or whatever, the Monday Night War, is that you could see anybody at any time. So my advice to you would be to stop worrying about if your favorite person is coming or favorite person is going and enjoy the fact that whatever show you watch, there's a small chance that somebody's coming out. Now, like, obviously, it's more likely at a pay-per-view, right? But, or like the day after a pay-per-view. But, it could still happen at any time. And that's what makes it cool. So listen, for NXT itself, I rambled on there. I really don't need to cover a lot. Solo Sokoa wants next on uh, on Cameron Grimes. Um, the the freaking what is their name? Pretty Deadly. Retain their tag titles. Um, Legato Del Fantasma beat uh, Gibson and Drake. So I presume Legato gets the next shot at Pretty Deadly. Um, and then Pretty Deadly kept their tag team titles. Match with uh, Duke Hudson and Dexter Loomis. Interesting team. Uh, good for Pretty Deadly. Glad, Honestly, glad the tag belts are on the show. Um, Alright, so... For this show, it opens with uh, Braun Breaker calling out Joe Gacy because remember last week, Joe Gacy, who had kidnapped Rick Steiner, let him go but kept his Hall of Fame ring and threw the ring into the fire. My question was about whether that would melt the ring, and in fact, they answered that it did not because this week, Joe Gacy still has the ring. So, Braun Breaker is out in the ring looking for Joe Gacy. Joe Gacy comes back on the Videotron and said, hey, 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 and goes on and on and on and... um. Braun Breaker, I keep forgetting his name, I don't know why. Braun Breaker tears up the back room looking for him. Eventually, for our main event segment, he does find Braun, who's not up in the rafters, but kind of up in the rafters. And Joe Gacy says, okay, I will give you this Hall of Fame ring back. Told you it wouldn't burn. But you have to give me a title shot. Seems like he could have said, you have to relinquish the title and give it to me, but whatever, fine. And Braun agrees. Um, let's see, what was it? So, he gets up there, right? So, he basically said, I forget the words, it was like, he said, like, now all you have to do is take a leap of faith, and... It's funny because I'm looking at a recap and it says, showing break, shoving a breaker off the top of the stands and crashing to the floor, but he was surrounded by hooded disciples as the show went off the air. What really happened is Joe Gacy barely touched, and I mean barely touched, the chest of Braun Breaker. Braun Breaker threw himself backwards, and then somebody who I don't think was Braun Breaker screamed, but it was like a, ah, like not a, not an interested scream. Very much a... Uh, just a noise. And the fans who could presumably see the giant crash cart there didn't really react. So, like, was it bad? Yeah, obviously. You know it was bad. 
But presumably then at uh, NXT, whatever, stand and deliver, not stand and deliver, whatever the hell it is. You remember from earlier. At NXT, it's going to be Braun Breaker and Joe Gacy for the NXT title. I dig it. Um, we get to see Braun Breaker really angry, which we haven't really before. We've seen him, like, upset, and we've seen him mad or uh, frustrated or annoyed. We've seen all that from him. We haven't seen him, like, really, 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 I'm going to rip your head off angry. And I would like to see that. Maybe Rick Steiner could be his manager. That'd be fun. So listen, that's about it for the show, so that's about it for me. I hope you like the kind of sort of new format I'm doing where I kind of just want to talk to you about wrestling and the stuff that's going on in NXT. So it's a little bit more that like sometimes some news or something I think about will take the bulk of the show. And the time I used to give to the news segment will go to NXT because there's not too terribly much interesting going on on NXT 2.0 right now. I know you can't believe it. But, you know, I just, if I can talk to you about what's interesting to me while still covering NXT, I think this show will be better. If I just sit, watch the show, write out notes, and read them back to you, I've found that I cannot be entertaining with it. So, on Twitter, at ZachNXT, at Z-A-C-H-N-X-T, let me know what you thought of this show. I didn't talk a lot about NXT, but I did talk about the most important story in NXT. Did you like what I did here? You want me to go back to the old format? I can figure it out. Either way, let me know. But for right now, that is it for NXT, so that is it from me. I have been Zachary Smith. You have been fantastic as always, and thank you for listening.